0: Hello. Welcome to this Cambridge Health Tech Institute podcast for the Leaders in Biobanking Congress, taking place this November 4th through the 5th in Indianapolis, Indiana at the Sheraton Indianapolis City Center. I'm Ann Wynn, the events associate producer. We have with us today one of our speakers from the Business of Running a Biobank session, Brian Chadwick, managing member and consultant of Look Left Group based in Southampton, New York. Brian, welcome and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much, Ann. I look forward to this discussion.
0: So uh, LookLeft's team of consultants, as far as I can tell, is spread all across the U.S. and the European Union. Can you describe how the company is structured, uh, the services it provides, and your role there?
1: Yes, we are are, um, structured very loosely in that um, it was formed as a lifestyle company initially after I sold an electronic data capture company. And 16 years later, we're still in business There are about a half a dozen of us that are core, what I call partners, and then we have, like lots of people, a very extended network of virtual uh, individuals that we work with when it's appropriate. Uh, We do a lot of partnering with other companies because in some cases we're small and in some cases we bring very specific expertise to the table. All of the partners at Look Left have greater than 25 years' experience, um, almost nervous and upset to say that but it's true in their regul, in their specific areas and as it as um, we have expertise and experts in regulatory affairs technology architecture software development business analysis marketing and sales support so we do a, v- a variety of things i'm excited to say that in the area of biobanking uh, we've invested a lot of effort over the past five years in making sure we were up to speed on what we consider to be a rapidly emerging marketplace. And um, we have, as a result, done a number of things in the area of biobanking with both big and small companies, from establishing um, biobanking operations to selecting and implementing biobanking software to meet their needs and in fact we're in the process of doing that with the company as we speak excellent and it is really uh the other thing about biobanking from a look left perspective and i i think indicative of how the market is growing is that more than 50 percent of our revenue this year will come from biobanking engagements my role is as managing director i'm the founder although we are, as they say, a, uh, a loose confederacy of lots of executives that uh, have lurked together for many, many years. And, um, again, most of us have uh, really gotten attracted to the potential of biobanking because, as a group, we believe it to be one of the cornerstones of personalized medicine.
0: And uh, let's... Uh, throw the focus back onto you a little bit. Um, you have decades of experience in, among other things, healthcare, clinical research, process improvement initiatives, technology solutions, and drug development. So what convinced you to focus your skills and experience on helping pharma and diagnostics companies with sample acquisition?
1: Oh my, um, that, that's a great question. And I, As I said, I, I almost, it was one of those almost serendipitous things that I fell upon about five years ago Somebody asked me about sample banking and I was not so knowledgeable about it and started to go out into my network and started to kind of evaluate what that meant, sample acquisition, biobanking. Started to educate myself on it and wound up getting an engagement building a biobanking system with a a well-known translational medicine group in Arizona. And that really launched our interest and, and our uh, and, and continued to build our expertise in the area. I think, personally, um, I, I do a thing at the end of each year as the managing director of our company with all of our clients, and I send out a end-of-year, what I call Chadwick's Picks, and it's partly for fun and, and partly for information. And biobanking and biobanking solutions have been on Chadwick's picks for at least three years as w- an area I think has a great opportunity not just for consulting, but for the improvement in uh, the efficiencies by big pharma, small pharma, biotech, di- especially diagnostic companies to um, to meet the growing needs as, again, as personalized medicine is, is realized, as um, com- uh, companion diagnostics becomes a bigger area. The core of a, a lot of this is the, the sample, whether it be a blood and, and fluid sample or a tumor tissue sample. And it's our opinion that those samples, as they, became, as they become more important in regulatory-grade submissions, will be subject to an increasing amount of scrutiny by the regulatory, global regulatory authorities um, for traceability and, and, and controls, you know, chain of, chain of custody, access to informed consent. And it is also my belief that the systems that use, that, that manage, if you will, biobanking, whether it's location management or, or more, and most of them are more now, will be required to be 21 CFR Part 11 compliant. Uh, it, and, and most of the commercial vendors have actually gone that way already. So I, I think this is a big business that is upon us now.
0: And uh, you start mentioning the commercial vendors. Um, what would you say are the key differences between commercial biobanking facilities and the more academic government non nonprofit biobanks? And what are their respective pros and cons?
1: Well, of, of course, using the word commercial, you, kind of insinuate that it is a for-profit organization. Most of the academic um, and uh, institutional biobanks are not for-profit. And there are some keen things that the institutional and the um, academic centers can do because they do not necessarily need to be regulatory-grade per se, although clearly they need to follow good technology practices. So what we see in the, in the non-commercial environment of biobanking is population studies, I think very important, especially in some of the smaller socialized countries. Um, we get a, more and more data is coming out of the accumulation of not just samples of tissue and or blood, but of the clinical data around those samples. So I think that they, they play a vital role. One of the things that many of the academic centers and the institutional groups have suffered from is a a business model where they can stay afloat. The commercial biobanks have gone directly to the for-profit model, and what uh, they are suggesting, and and I right now am leaning this way, is that they can take over the commercial, uh, the um, the biobanking, well, let's call that a combination of uh, collection, storage, um, the uh, movement of samples, and uh, the testing of samples. So many of these commercial vendors now can provide one or all of those services. And very similar to the back in the days when I was an EDC, and we see it now, and as I say, in, in the software-as-a-service-type applications where they're stored off-site, where data centers are managing data. Biopharmaceutical companies and life sciences companies, healthcare companies, hospitals, all together, they're not software companies. They have, in my experience, not been successful in assuming a software company responsibility, and they're not biobanking storage companies either. And I think it is really, as we get into these areas of Highly specific expertise, some of these biobanking storage facilities that do more um, are emerging as good alternatives for pharmaceutical companies rather than trying to build the biobank within the organization. I have experienced that. I have recently come off a, a large two year consulting project with a major diagnostics company, and it was obvious to me and ultimately to them that biobanking wasn't their business. So I see that the commercial the commercial businesses are still struggling because they are new and some of them, you know, when you when you're first in the space, you you have to deal with the slow, if you will, crossing of the chasm, to quote from an early uh, marketing book of pharmaceutical companies and hospitals. But I do believe from my experience and having seen the way samples are managed in the non-professional or non-commercial environment, I believe that the commercial environment has great potential to not only store specimens, which is a primary objective right now of those companies, but to do more with those specimens and to support the, the industry. So I think that there are differences and similarities. I think the business models for both are still a challenge, but I do believe that we need to establish a, a regulatory-grade baseline for both commercial and academic environments, and then after we've established that regulatory-grade baseline to start to sort out more innovative ways to do some of the things we're doing today, such as sample acquisition. I mention often in my my talks, because I think it's dramatic, uh, Carolyn Compton, who is the head of OBBR, uh, asked for a contribution of samples for the uh, Cancer Genome Atlas program, and she got samples only to find out that 99% of the samples donated were unusable. And I think that kind of says it all for me, and it makes me think that the billion or 300 million or whatever number you want to believe of samples that we hear that are stored in various places around the world, that a significant number of those samples may not be usable because they were stored before. We, we were emerging and evolving um, procedures uh, and processes to more effectively store and manage biospecimens. I've seen biospecimens in the tens of thousands stored, but yet have no access to the, to informed consent. So in, in the world that is today, that biospecimen really has no value because we don't know what we have permission Um, to do with that specimen. So I I think that we're in in the beginning, or maybe a little past the beginning now, of a huge change in the way people manage biospecimens and use biospecimens, especially in the diagnosis and treatment of real patients, and that's very exciting.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there is a lot of promise there for the uh, more commercial biobanking facilities. And you did touch upon some of the main challenges, but could you um, elaborate further on some of the ones relating to, if not technologies, then also regulations and how um, LookLeft is trying to address them, and what you foresee as um, the coming challenges in future years?
1: Yes, one of the things. I mean, LookLeft was founded uh, based. Uh, our mission statement is simple: that we exist to help uh, transfer. Manual, let's call them health, life sciences, healthcare processes to technical solutions uh, with the proviso that those technical solutions, in fact, do make those processes more efficient and more effective. They don't always, but in this case, it is very clear to me that they do. Specifically, the systems that are used, excuse me, we have. Again, and surprisingly, at major companies, we have seen biobanking freezers in uncontrolled environments. We have seen a limited, if any, standard operating procedures associated with biobanking processes. Um, These, if you will, gray zone, these gray zone approaches to handling specimens that I think, again, are emerging as much more vital in the regulatory submission uh, have got to change, and it is incumbent upon every company to build that regulatory-grade baseline before they go on and about trying to solve the, the problems of personalized medicine or cure diseases, because at the end of the day, We've all experienced an audit from the FDA, and if it doesn't go well, all of the data that you have, all the effort that you put into it, um, it has, loses its value. So my primary objective, as look last, when we get into the biobanking, when we get into a biobanking opportunity with a client, we talk to them first about establishing a regulatory grade baseline. And that includes building a even if it's lightweight, Building a quality management system that includes policies, procedures, and even work practices at the lowest level. So when an auditor comes, they can withstand the scrutiny of the auditor. But probably most important, when people come and go from these companies, their now have been established uh, a set of procedures and processes that new people coming on board can follow. Biobanking is new and it's emerging and it's important and it must be treated uh, from a regulatory-grade perspective.
0: And what will be the main focus of your presentation um, about biobanking at the Biobanking Congress on November 4th?
1: Certainly, there will be some historical perspective. Uh, Henrietta Lacks has become a famous book. When I was working for this major uh, biopharmaceutical diagnostic company, I bought a copy for the person for whom I was working. And he liked it so much, he bought a copy for every person in his biospecimen group. And while those days are, thankfully, long behind us, the the rights of patients supersede any scientific process. And again, I I, I don't want to be redundant, but so establishing that regulatory-grade baseline where we're protecting the privacy of individuals, where we're adhering to the ethics, and confidentiality and constraints of informed consent, those are the first things. So at my conference speech, we'll talk a little bit about the history, a little little bit about the things that we need to do as an industry, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the innovations and um, some of the opportunities we have as an industry to improve the overall biospecimen marketplace. I've seen a couple of technologies that enable biospecimens to be bought and sold in a, in a regulatory compliant way with informed consent, built to be sensitive to the patient's privacy, and yet um, one of the things that has slowed down the progress of biospecimen research is that with all of these samples presumably sitting in storage around the world as I said more than fifty percent of the time um, companies are doing prospective sample collection studies clinical trials that that take nine months or twelve months to complete cost a lot of money and but probably the time is most important and as we get as we advance and progress with our regulatory grade baseline I believe academic institutions, commercial pharma companies and biotech companies and and diagnostic companies will have the opportunity to buy and sell, with IRB approval, buy and sell samples that might have been posted in some of these, what will become, I hate to say it, you know, an Amazon of biospecimens because it sounds too commercial, but there are these technologies that are emerging that will enable people to search and buy, and or put on the network to sell biospecimens that they've, maybe they've accumulated, they have left over, for whatever reason, making uh, specimen acquisition a more, not, not only an easier process, but again a process that is uh, covered by uh, the regulation and, and, and has informed consent and clinical data. These are the things that are going to make changes. These are the things I'll be talking about. And then talking about even how some of the contract research organizations have seen this as an opportunity. And I have coined the term GRO, which is Genomics Research Organization. And in fact, since I've coined that term, uh, there are one or two GROs um, that are popping up with a key or focus on personalized medicine. And again, if your focus is personalized medicine, you must be paying attention to the way you manage your biospecimens. So my talk, will start with a little historic perspective, kind of where we are today, and then some of the innovative solutions that seem to be emerging or have the potential to emerge to make this marketplace a more viable marketplace.
0: Fantastic. Um, We're really looking forward to your presentation. And uh, just based on uh, what you've shared with us today, um, it sounds like you do have a lot of great insights to uh, share regarding um, biobanking from your business perspective. So thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very excited about this marketplace and I, I look forward to speaking at the event.
0: That was Brian Chadwick, managing member and consultant of Look Left Group. He'll be speaking on Monday afternoon, November 4th, at the upcoming Leaders in Biobanking Congress, happening in Indianapolis at the Sheraton Indianapolis City Center, November 4th through the 5th. This is Ann Wynn, and this has been another podcast from Cambridge Health Tech Institute. Thanks for listening.